Hi, this is Carolyn April. And this is Seth Robinson. And we want to welcome you to the next installment, latest installment of Volley. Seth, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, been a busy week, getting ready for a lot of travel. Um, we've got our big event coming up, but I've got two events before that, so uh, I'll be out of pocket a little bit. We won't have a chance to chat, so I'm glad we're getting this one in. Yeah, me too. So traveling, man. Yeah, summer's supposed to be a little slower. Somehow it isn't for the travel, so a lot I of know. things are fun. Yeah, I, I picked up these two that were kind of uh, unexpected, but uh, it'll be good. Good to get out of the office and and uh, present some of the research we've got. So, Well, there's a lot going on in the industry this week. Um, I know you wanted to talk a bit about the Worldwide Partner Conference that Microsoft has just convened or finished, I believe. Yeah, it, I think it's wrapping up today. It's been going on for the past couple days, so there's been a lot coming out about it. It's uh, been really interesting to, to read. Uh, obviously, Microsoft uh, has been a, a big force in the IT industry uh, ever since the PC era and, and when uh, most businesses started adopting technology in force, uh, you know, both their PC Windows operating system and then their Windows Server stuff for the back office uh, has had them, you know, really present within IT installations uh, and they've needed a big partner network to do these things. Uh, so their partner conference is always a huge one in the year and there's always a lot going on there. Uh, so what have you seen coming out of it? What's been interesting to you? Yeah, it is interesting. I, as someone who's covered Microsoft for many years as a journalist before I moved over to the analyst role, I've been uh, charting you know, their progress and what's changed with them. And I think you know, I, one of the things that I'm fairly impressed with is how Satya Nadella, who I've actually interviewed in the past, way before he was CEO, but great guy, how he is really um, moving the ship in a different direction there and really embracing cloud. I think Microsoft, one of the things that they've been knocked for in the past is being uh, late to the table. They were late to the table with the internet, etc. cetera. Uh, I think right now they're really doing a double down on the cloud and uh, I like the messaging that went out this week. You know, we talk, you've done, you know, your study on digital organizations and uh, Satya and all of his lieutenants and folks at Microsoft this week have really been stressing the whole concept of digital transformation within organizations and that this is going to affect every company in every industry uh, and of course that includes how they're going to embrace the cloud so I found that to be very interesting there's a whole bunch of announcements from there I mean from a pure partner perspective They've got a new channel chief. She's interim at the moment, but I wouldn't be surprised if Gary Ella Schuster ends up being the permanent uh, channel chief there. Um, so that's big news for the partners. They're always interested in that. But I thought maybe we'd drill down a little bit on how interesting their take, their just their their shift to the cloud has been. I think pretty dramatic. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the thing that I saw the most coming out of it. And as much as there's some fatigue with cloud in the industry, uh, and Maybe still some lingering misperceptions um, that that may or may not matter as much depending on uh, a solution provider's client base. It's it's really interesting to see how heavily they focus on it and and how important it is to them, and and actually how it's sort of changing their product portfolio and the way that they think about things. I, I think the thing that I've gotten the most out of it is this shift towards the cloud and digital transformation is a rethinking away from specific products and into services. Um, obviously, there are product announcements and there are different products that are 
going to go in here, but when you hear them talk about cloud, when you hear them talk about their Azure stack that they're making available, or when you hear them talk about data and what they want to do with data and, and what they want their partners doing with data, they're talking about these things like they are a platform that you can build on top of. And it, it's not so much something that you go and you install it at a, at a client site and then either you're done with it or you monitor that thing, but you, you take these tools and you build something to give to the, to the client. So I, I see Microsoft still needing their partner network as much as ever, but kind of needing them in different ways. And, and I think sometimes that's a little tough for the, the partner group to understand in, in the way that Microsoft is trying to describe it. Yeah, I think that that's true. I think the you know more evolved partners right now are getting it though that we are in an as a service world, and that is expressly expressly where Microsoft is trying to take things. So that you're right, you're not just selling something, installing it, and that's that. You're really it's more of an organic type of relationship that you're going to have with the customer about around the services and solutions that you're offering. So and they can build off the platform that Microsoft. Is pushing. I think like one of the data points here is, I mean, Azure is really hitting its stride. You know, twenty thousand new subscription uh, subscriptions a month. I think I read the other day, uh, which puts uh, puts them and now they're way, they're way behind AWS in terms of uh, dominance there. But they're number two, I believe, at the moment. And I think the partner base at Microsoft is so large. It's you know, it's north of five hundred thousand partners. Might even be more closer to seven hundred thousand partners worldwide that um, I think you're going to continue to see quite a bit of traction with the cloud and platform initiatives that the company is really pushing. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm impressed with what they've been talking about around data. It'll be interesting to see what they do with LinkedIn, and I think that's all about data, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, going forward for the channel, I think they're trying really hard to work out the as-a-service type model, the cloud model, to make sure that it fits with their partners after missteps in the beginning where you know office 365 did not really go off well in the beginning but then they microsoft realized that partners were unhappy about certain elements of how they could sell it and they righted it you know they made made things right and i think they're doing something similar with um surface right now was another announcement that they're going to begin offering surface as a service so they really want their partners to be selling that to business customers so we'll see where that goes. But, you know, all in all, I, I think that th this is actually an exciting time for Microsoft. They've had lulls and they've had, you know, peaks of, of good times. And I think right now they're in a good groove. The way that they're building up their cloud services is very much the way that Amazon has built up theirs. Um, and what I mean is that the number of things that they're packing into Azure, where it's not just you know, raw machines that you're going to get and you're going to create virtual instances and then you can do things. But there are also databases and development tools and analytics software. So what I think about when I see all these things that are getting packed in is the role of distribution uh, and where exactly they fit. And I know you've written a, a paper on the role of the dis distributor in a cloud environment, um, but I, I still think that it's continuing to evolve as a partner can now go to you know Microsoft and if they're or Amazon or a number of other you know cloud providers or, or large vendors and get a lot of these tools directly and they all work together they're made to work together they don't have to worry as much about the integration um, and they can start going from there so 
really interesting to think about what distributors will need to do uh, and how they can make themselves look similar to that to providers that are that are looking for a place to get their services built. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting in- insight, and I 100% agree with you. Distribution has one advantage in that they have longstanding relationships with a lot of uh, the solution providers out there, so they're not out having to win these customers over. Um, but I do think it is going to be a struggle for them to compete with some of these platform folks, and it's going it, to it's require them to come up with um, some sort of value add that's over and above a single vendor platform solution. And what that is, I, I can't tell you. I know that at ChannelCon during our vendor summit, so at our event, um, the little peel-off event called the Vendor Summit, we are going to have one session that's devoted exclusively to the fate of distribution, basically. So, you know, what what does uh, what do distributors do in this changing platform world, and how do they continue to appeal to the partner community that has always been their bread and butter? So, it'll be interesting to see. I think we've got some interesting distri- uh, distribution folks who are going to be talking at that session. Um, so, we'll see if we can figure it out. But it's uh, you raise a very interesting point. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this world continues to go. You know, we uh, talk a lot about cloud along with mobility, bringing in this new era of enterprise technology. And if we look back at the previous eras, they lasted for 25 or 30 years. And so I mentioned before that we're getting fatigue around cloud and and maybe, you know, losing a little bit of the, the weight that it really brings to this transformation. But uh, we've probably got several more years ahead of us for it to continue to change and companies to continue to migrate to a new way of doing things. Yeah, well, what IT is is going to look like and how it's changing are obviously um, issues that we have to tackle every day and, and I don't think are going away. It's just sort of an ongoing um, evolution, if you will. And I know you've done a ton of work in this area and have actually published um, an interesting framework about how IT works these days, or in theory, should work, and what the all the connected parts and disconnected parts are. So, I really wanted to talk a little bit about that and, and get your sense. If you can give me an idea of you know where the idea came up from and uh, what you found out and what you've determined. Sure. Yeah. So, there's a new white paper on CompTIA.org that we published uh, in the past week. Here, it's called a functional IT framework, and it's been in the works for a few months now, and it kind of came out of internal discussions, um, and it led to a lot of interviews with CIOs and CTOs talking about what their organization looks like, what their IT team looks like, uh, and and we came up with this concept that there are really these four pillars of IT uh, that are the basic ingredients that a CIO or an IT director or a solution provider would be using as they're trying to build uh, different solutions or, or build out business systems. And, and those pillars are infrastructure, development, security, and data. Uh, and from company to company, you know, I would ask people, what does your team look like? What does your you know, internal organization structure look like within IT? Uh, and I would just continue to see these things popping up. Uh, most places today are going to have an infrastructure team. I mean, that's the the standard one dealing with, you know, networks and servers and the front end equipment and all of that stuff, the very prototypical IT uh, that that people would think of. And then there's development and 
I was actually surprised to hear the number of companies that said alongside their infrastructure team, they had a development team, some group of coders that were um, customizing apps, um, building out mobile apps for internal use. And this would be different from like a product development team. If, if it's a software company that's building software product for um, sale to external customers, that's something different. The development that we're talking about here is internal to IT, doing things that are related to workflow. Uh, so or just to interrupt though, what was the profile of the folks that you did interview? Were we talking all large enterprises? Were there any smaller companies in the mix? It was a mix of, of companies. And so the, the smallest companies, if they have any kind of technical team at all today, are probably just going to have an infrastructure team. You know, one team focus on infrastructure. They probably won't be doing much development, but the in, inside that infrastructure team, they'll be doing some of the data handling and some of the security to the extent that the company might be doing it. When you get up to that medium-sized company is where consistently I was seeing a development team appear. Uh, and then data and security would tend to get handled kind of jointly between the infrastructure team and the development team. And then as you get larger, you may have a data team break out and it's you know database administrators, uh, data scientists, data analysts. Uh, and you may also have a security team break out that's focused on a lot of the technology of security, but also a lot of the policies, maybe end user education, compliance, things like that. So uh, it's only at the biggest organizations that you're going to see these four things stand alone. Um, but you don't have to get very big at all before it seems like a lot of companies are taking kind of a hardware and a software approach with infrastructure and development, uh, and then security and data kind of happen within those. So um, I was I read your paper obviously, and um, I was most interested in in the section on managing all of these overlaps, you know because as you said some companies are not going to have all of these functions going on if you're a smaller company certainly not in discrete departments necessarily, um, but you know what um, what about the overlaps um, did you find most interesting or most notable? Yeah, so you've got these four pillars. And so you're going to have a distinct set of overlaps. Like even if, if you just take them one pair at a time, you're going to have an overlap between infrastructure and development. And that's probably the most common one that people would think of because that tends to be DevOps, right? You know, trying to do development within the infrastructure that you've got and making sure that all works together and you can, you can go live and you can do continuous development uh, as quickly as possible. But you've also got overlaps between infrastructure and security, between development and data, um, all of these things. And that they all have their own characteristic. But what I would hear in the interviews was that the technical team falls into these four buckets. Then to get the technical team working together and to have these overlaps working and to have the handoffs and all the contingencies that you need in order to actually build something, you need some level of project management. Um, and so these overlaps are a lot about project management. It's kind of technical project management, you know, with one foot on the business side, understanding what has to happen there, and then one foot just driving the, the different requirements and making sure that things are on time and making sure that uh, handoffs are understood and things like that. So this project management role is uh, a very important one. Uh, and 
it's not a core technical function, but some IT departments have their own project management, and some IT departments would rely on a project management office that's within their company that handles projects across different departments. Uh, but most of the people that I talked to said, yeah, there, there's some kind of project management that happens here. And then I think as you continue to take that forward, the, the overlaps become more and more. You eventually get all four areas overlapping, and that project management turns into executive management or executive oversight. I mean, that's the role of the CIO then is to understand enough about all of these things to make the trade-offs, to make sure that they're driving the way that the business needs them to, uh, and to make sure that the client ultimately is satisfied. So I'm curious from a channel perspective, how many or were, were any of these companies seeding one of these buckets, one of these areas to an outside party, a, a solution provider or a managed services provider, um, and letting them be the uh, you know the IT staff for them in that regard? Curious about third-party involvement. Yeah, you definitely see that. It probably happens the most within infrastructure. Uh, and even within infrastructure, it could happen in different ways. Uh, probably one of the more common things I heard was that some form of help desk was outsourced. Um, so that first line of defense was a third party um, managing the help tickets, you know, dealing with the incoming requests. And then the internal team was maybe a little more senior, a little more advanced, uh, maybe a little more towards the back office, dealing with the server infrastructure and the network architecture. Um, but they relied on that third party for, for help desk. Um, and then obviously I talked to a lot of channel firms that are acting as the infrastructure team for their clients, especially when we're talking about really small clients that don't have uh, any kind of technical team of their own, that they're, they're looking to these people to bring in the infrastructure. And, and I think that we're still definitely in, in a world here where a lot of people, when they think about technology, that's what they think about is just putting the infrastructure pieces in place that will allow the business to operate. They're, they're not quite thinking strategically yet. And I think that what we've been seeing in the channel and what companies are seeing internally is in order for it to be strategic, you need that development side that can do some of the customization and some of the fine tuning around the pieces that you might put in place. You need the data side to really understand what's happening within the business. And then you need the security side because cybersecurity is becoming such a high priority and uh, a real deal breaker for companies if, if they end up with a data breach or something like that. So the, the drive towards a more strategic viewpoint uh, that kind of drives sophistication and it drives a need for expertise in all four of these areas. Yeah, I think this is um, this underscores the fact that there's so much uh, untapped opportunity right now for the channel who does hover in that infrastructure bucket um, and, and they could get skilled up in terms of software development. Um, we're seeing some cutting-edge solution providers who are doing quite a bit of their own software development, but that's still something that kind of falls outside the usual realm of a solution provider. Um, data analytics, all of the work with data, any work with data, is something that I think uh, they could take great advantage of. Uh, and, uh, and security, well, we, we know security is something that's important no matter what, and a lot of them are in the security area. But I see lots of opportunity here to work with, especially, as you mentioned, small to mid-market, even mid-market companies that do have an IT department, but the IT department can't do everything, and there may be specialization areas that a channel company could take over. 
But it's a very interesting white paper. I encourage everybody out there to download it and read it. It's it's smarty pants, so you should definitely get it. <laughs> yes, smarty pants. So, and I think the two things tie together, right? As as Microsoft and large vendors are talking about what they are trying to build for the future, you know, these fundamental elements are going to be kind of underlying whatever is happening going forward. So, you know, they talk about cloud, they talk about internet of things or something like that. And those aren't really forming new areas. They're just building on top of these as these as these four areas grow and as they overlap. So uh, definitely check it out. Yes, definitely do. All right, Seth, as always, a pleasure. Yeah, uh, the next time we talk might be at ChannelCon. Yes, maybe we'll talk live there. That would be very cool. That would be fun. All right, have a good one. All right, talk to you later.